Hello there and a very warm welcome to episode 44 of the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. I'm Neil Shalat and I'm delighted to welcome Alex Barker to the podcast once again. How are you doing Alex? I'm doing very good. Happy to be back on. Been a little while. Yeah, been a fine time for you to come back as well when we've had loads and loads of seasons ending uh, over the course of this weekend, loads of leagues drawing to a close, uh, mostly the winter leagues of course. And so we have lots of stuff to talk through. We've lots of dramatic title race twists from all sorts of places we've obviously got relegation battles uh, continental qualification stuff so we've that, that's that's the main stuff on the agenda mostly from europe but a few things from elsewhere too so without further ado let's get started Right, let's start with probably what could have been the biggest, or still maybe was the biggest story of the weekend from Germany. Uh, of course, the Bundesliga title race, where surprise, surprise, Dortmund did it again. It's eleven in a row for Bayern now, and of course, Alex was keeping track of the proceedings. So, what did you make of that, Alex? Oh man, you say I saw a lot of people say surprise, surprise of this, but I. I I think actually the grand consensus was Dortmund have won the Bundesliga. Like this is it, they'd done it. Like no one actually, okay, not no one, but there wasn't that many people who seriously expected them to bottle it. Besides Neil, who's like waving his hand on screen right now. Like, the no, the look, manner in which I have, go on. I have two, I have two options right now. Right, I can either be sad that they lost it because I really wanted them to win it. Or I can be smug because throughout this time I was telling people don't trust Dortmund. Even when Leipzig beat Bayern, I was like, do not trust Borussia Dortmund. So I think I'm gonna be smug because it's better than being sad. But anyway, and it is saying. worth saying as well. It's worth saying that you're right in the sense, definitely right, hundred percent. Because they they're two two draw against Mainz, which obviously meant they um, compared to Bayern's win, uh, which is actually on a second. They finished second in the Bundesliga. Like they didn't get they didn't draw or were losing 2-0 down due to tactics like they just crumbled completely mentally the tempo was vacated in their game defensive organization was so sloppy like every single player on the pitch just looked like their head was in like their head had gone to mars and it, it was really sad to watch like especially when they were trying to break down this Mainz uh 5-5 defensive block <laughs> and there was just such a lack of not imagination but just a lack of bravery i'd say um but yeah there was it was a good it was a good time watching it uh live there was a point when it was dortmund losing to Mainz, but then Köln got a penalty against bayern and scored and everyone was celebrating and there was a point where sane went 1v1 uh with the Köln keeper schwaber and it, it schwaber produced an excellent save i was literally writing a tweet as, as after it happened like so like schwaber might have to save dortmund the bundesliga and as i was about to send tweet Jamal Mushiala produced an amazing turn and finished into the far corner. Someone who's definitely gone under the radar, and they will hand it over to you on this point. Where does Jamal Mushiala rank in terms of the top youngsters in Europe? Because mm. I'd say he's closing in. Clo- closing in, he's still a couple of leagues away from this, but he's closing in on Mbappe in Haaland. Mm, that's, that's a great shot. I think, yeah, I agree with you. He's definitely a tier below them. But, yeah, he's he's right up there. Like, I... Obviously, besides Mbappe and Holland, I can't think of anyone more talented than him. I mean, he's he's absolutely sensational, right? Like, he's just supremely talented. You know, he's an unbelievable attacking midfielder. Like all his qualities, technically, does it. You know, in match intelligence, like spatial awareness, all that sort of stuff. It's an unbelievable player. So yeah, I agree with you. I'd put him below Mbappe and Mbappe and Holland. Of course, in a league of their own, really, they're just way too good. But yeah, I agree. I, I put him second. But on the point of the title race, I, I have to give a shout out to Mainz, who beat Bayern to blow this thing open, lost four games in a row to blow away their European chances, and then came and fought for their lives against Dortmund, even though they had nothing to play for, just to mess with people. 
And also shout out to Köln because they really fought for it against Bayern even though they had nothing to play for. Although they might have had something to play for because I've read that uh, obviously Anthony Modest went to Dortmund from Köln uh, at, at the end of the last transfer window and I've read there was a clause which said that if uh, Dortmund won the league, they'd be receiving some millions of pounds. So my hypothesis is that the players were promised a part of that millions of pounds <laughs> because they were also fighting for their lives <laughs> but uh, they couldn't they couldn't quite do it so they may be fighting for their lives but nothing could p- 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 compare to mine I, th- I tweeted it during the game i somewhat jokingly said like mine's come on do you not know what you're doing here you're meant to act like you're trying then you're meant to concede and then we walk away don't want the bundesliga obviously you know they're not going to match fix but they genuinely they took it more seriously the dortmund yeah <laughs> They they were fighting for like if if they're in the relegation battle or something like they were defending for their lives. Was there crazy. was one point a player who I do not know the name of, and if I did, I wouldn't name them out of. Well, I actually I might have because I hated what they did. It was like fifteen minutes left, and they faked oh, the a head, head injury. injury. Yeah, no, yeah, and then mad. they got and then they got straight up and cleared it. There was like, <laughs> yeah, if someone did this in a Champions League final, they get criticism. But you're doing it in a game. You've got nothing to play for. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, that's that's crazy, but yeah, but I mean, still, I th- I think it was. I mean, obviously they lost, but I think it was lovely to see still the Dortmund fans after the match, you know, with the with the players and with Terzic, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard. A big to contrast to um Bayern, they celebrated by sacking their CEO and sporting <laughs> the about five, yeah, five <laughs> minutes after. Not even five minutes after they lifted the trophy, five minutes after kickoff, and you see Oliver Kahn as well. He couldn't even go to celebrate. Yeah, I, I don't think he was bar- allowed at the game. Yeah, yeah, the club. But he he came out and told Bill after that uh, this is the worst day of my life. I've um, the club stopped me from going to celebrate it. Wow, yeah, it's incredible contrast. Yeah, between the two. But well, that's the Bundesliga for you. For a whole season, people kick the ball, and then Bayern went at the end. But I tell you what you can't predict, the Zweite Bundesliga and the Dritten Liga. Oh, yes. Is, it was absolute madness in both. Let's start with the Dritten Liga because that was first. This was before the the Bundesliga kickoffs uh, on Saturday. And this involved, funnily enough, Dortmund's second team. But they, they didn't have anything to play for. They, they were doing the Mainz role for this one. Uh, the, the main protagonists were, well... Uh, VfL Osnabrück, Wehen Weisbaden, and Saarbrücken as well. But ultimately, the two teams involved in 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 all the drama were uh, Osnabrück and Wehen Weisbaden. So Elversberg had already won the league; they were promoted. So Freiburg's second team were in second place, which is obviously the second promotion, direct promotion spot. But they can't get promoted because in Germany you can't have two teams of the same club within a tier of each other. So that's basically a skip clause. So third was going to be the second direct promotion spot and fourth is the playoff spot, right? Now, uh, Osnabrück, I think, were occupying it going into the uh, the match day and they were ahead Vehen Weisbaden on goal difference. Now, Vehen uh, Weisbaden, I think, fairly comfortably won their match. It was 1-0. They scored relatively early on, if I remember, certainly in the first half. So, all good and all peaceful for them. And as things stood, of course, they were jumping to third because Osnabrück were losing against Dortmund's second team, again, with nothing nothing to play for. Uh, so, it's full-time uh, in Weisbaden. And I mean, Osnabrück are still losing 1-0 to Dortmund. Their match is going in extra time because, obviously, there's you know slightly delays in sync and stuff. So, now, Wehen Weisbaden have won and Osnabrück are losing. So as things stand, they're three points above them and they're obviously going through to, to the second direct promotion spot. So they're all celebrating. Fans invade the pitch. Everyone's celebrating. Very cool. All good stuff. Osnabrück pull one back in the fourth minute of stoppage time of, I think, about five or six. And then they pull another back. I mean, not pull another back. They score the winner in the sixth minute of stoppage time. So like just almost like seconds after kickoff. And they are still celebrating in Weisbaden. Uh, obviously, nobody's bothering to check their phones while they're pitch invading. But eventually, even I think even the stadium announcer cel- uh, like sort of said we're going to the Zweite Bundesliga or whatever. But then eventually they hear the news 
that Osnabrück have not only equalized, but also won it. So obviously there's crazy celebrations in Osnabrück. And this was like the most depressing pitch invasion ever because everyone's on the pitch, but now everyone's heard that they've, they, they're not getting the direct promotion. So everyone's sitting there all sad and stuff. And meanwhile, obviously in Osnabrück, they're celebrating. Now, if that's not crazy enough, literally the same thing happened in the Zweite Bundesliga the very next day. Now, this time it was Hamburg and uh, Heidenheim. So Hamburg started third, one point behind Heidenheim. Darmstadt had already sealed promotion and they ended up losing, but that didn't matter. I mean, it did matter because they lost the title ultimately, but they're still going up. So I don't think that they get that much. But Hamburg and Heidenheim. Hamburg, they beat Sandhausen with a very early goal, I think in the first or first few minutes. Uh, and that was it. They won 1-0. So that was all good for them. But then Heidenheim were against Jan Regensburg, who were they were basically relegated, not mathematically, because they could still be level on points with the side above them, but they had like a 15-goal difference swing or something, so they were basically relegated. Uh, but anyway, Jan Regensburg scored twice early on in the second half to go 2-0 up, and obviously as things stood, it was Hamburg getting promoted. Uh, they pulled one back, Hamburg, pretty immediately, pretty freakish on goal, but uh, then they couldn't do anything. Until again, full-time in the Hamburg match, they were away, by the way. So this was in Sandhausen. Again, pitch invasion from the away fans. In fact, even the stadium announcer congratulated Hamburg on winning promotion to the Bundesliga. Uh, And then over in Heidenheim, they won a penalty, which they scored. And then in, I think, the 99th minute, Tim Kleindienst, who's been fantastic, I mean, throughout the season and throughout his time at Heidenheim, scored the winner for Heidenheim too. Obviously, win the game, seal promotion, and uh, seal the title as well because of Darmstadt's loss. And that means that they are going to be promoted to the top flight, the Bundesliga, for I think the first time in their history. So it's it's quite a story for them and quite a way to do it as well. So absolutely sensational weekend in German football all around. Uh, the only place where we didn't have a lot of drama was the Frauen Bundesliga, where Bayern basically needed a point against uh, already relegated Turbine Potsdam to win the title. They could have done the job on the week before. They drew 0-0 with Leverkusen. Uh, This time they won 11-1. So they didn't make much of a fuss of it uh, there. So the title was theirs. And there was obviously Turbine Potsdam already relegated. And they were joined by, I think, Mepin because they lost as well. So not too much drama going on down there. But elsewhere in German football, crazy weekend. Okay, let's move on to let's go to Portugal, where we had the final match day of the Prim- the Liga Portugal Primeira Liga, and again the title was on the line. But Benfica basically needed a point to get the job done, and they got more than that. They they put three past Santa Clara, including a couple of early goals, and then in the second half. Alejandro Grimaldo scored a penalty on what was his last appearance for the club. He's going to Leverkusen uh, this summer. So they got the job done there uh, to win their first title in about four years. And Roger Schmidt became the first German manager to win the Portuguese top flight ever. So well done to him and well done to them as well. Then over in England, we also had a lot to play for on the final day in the Women's Super League, where the title and relegation spot were to be decided. So it just so happened that the same game had both things uh, to play for. It was top league leaders and defending champions Chelsea against bottom club Reading, who needed a win to have a chance to get out of that spot. And they didn't quite manage it. Chelsea won 3-0 and therefore sealed their fourth consecutive title, I believe. And of course, uh, Reading relegated. So they'll be after the championship. We did have some uh, some pretty good drama in the playoffs uh, at Wembley, uh, we had Luton Town beating uh, Coventry City in the championship playoff on penalties to steal their return uh, to the, I mean, their first uh, appearance in the Premier League since its inception and obviously complete a climb from non-league to the Premier League and in so doing, uh, one of their players, Pelirad Campanzo, became the first to go from non-league to the Premier League with the same club. So, Fantastic achievement for them. Luton are also the first club ever to go to get relegated from the Premier League, go to non-league, and come all the way back up. 
wow yeah that's incredible great start so i mean fantastic stuff from them and obviously commentary pretty pretty good season for them as well in fact they started terribly they seemed to be in the relegation battle had lots of financial troubles were under big debt placed it under transfer embargo and then there was a takeover and then the league form also improved and they snuck into the playoffs and almost got into the premier league so like well done to them as well and just just ask or even maybe yeah just ask before we recorded this we had the league one playoff uh, final between barnsley and sheffield wednesday which was a great match as well no goals in normal time sheffield wednesday thought they'd scored a winner early on in the second half of extra time the player scored he did a couple of flips crazy celebration and then vr rolled it out because they do have vr for the playoffs even though they don't have for the leagues so then they had to all go back but then they scored a winner in the 123rd minute so in the third minute of stoppage time they won it so sheffield wednesday are back to, in the championship after just i think a couple of years since they dropped out and uh wansley of course staying also i think a couple of years after they were relegated in league one so that's that from england let's go to mexico where we had the Liga MX Clausura final. Uh, Tigres against Chivas, goalless from the first leg, so all to play for in the second in Guadalajara, so home match for Chivas. They got to a two-goal lead in the first half, but after that, they, they rather dropped off, and it was all Tigres who eventually in the second half uh, pulled one back through uh, Andrepierre Gignac from the penalty spot, Francisco Cordova equalized soon thereafter, no more goals, so he went to extra time, and it was center back uh, Guido Pizarro who scored the winning goal in the hundred and tenth minute after a bit of bit of ping pong in the box from a corner. So Tigres won their first uh, Liga MX title in about four years, I think, and of course it's it ends a fairly good season for them where they also made the semi-finals of uh, the Concacaf Champions League, and obviously. Uh, won the league so well done to them and of course Chivas came close to their first league title in, in I think five odd years as well but just about not to be threw away a two goal lead right let's go to Spain next where the Segunda Division's regular season came to an end and well I mean what a season it's been for the promotion race the relegation battle's not been so close this time of course Ibiza, among others, relegated as we have discussed on this podcast. But at the top, all sorts of drama. So, going into the weekend, it was, I think, two points, if I'm not mistaken, separating the top four or two or three points. So, it was very close, certainly. And, of course, there's two direct promotion spots and then the playoffs, which were already set, or the top six, rather. So, it was all basically direct promotion was what was on the line. And Granada were leading the way and they beat Leganes 2-0 to obviously win the title and seal the direct promotion. But the second spot had a lot uh, on, on, on online. So Las Palmas were occupying it and they were one point ahead of Alaves going into the weekend and those two were playing each other. So that was basically a winner-takes-all. Whoever won that would go uh, uh, to the second direct promotion spot. If they didn't win, there was a possibility for Levante. If they beat Real Oviedo by a big enough margin, they could have snuck into second. But ultimately, that didn't happen. They scored a fairly late winner, but they could only manage to go up to third because the, the, their goal difference didn't quite get a big enough jump. So Las Palmas held on to a draw against Alaves. And so the side from the Canary Islands will be back in La Liga for the first time since 2018. And the playoffs have been set. For the semi-finals, we've got Levante against Albacete and Alaves against Ibar. So that's what happened in the Segunda División. In La Liga, the relegation battle got all the more exciting. If you thought the Premier League relegation battle on the final day was good, where, of course, Everton and Leeds ultimately got relegated. Uh, no, not Everton. Leicester and Leeds ultimately got relegated. Everton stayed up. Then wait till you hear about the La Liga relegation battle. Two spots have been decided. Uh, Elche obviously gone for a long time. Espanyol went yesterday when they conceded a late uh, equalizer against Valencia, who I think scored their third or fourth game state altering stoppage time goal in the last month to almost certainly seal their safety. It's not mathematically done yet, but they'll need to collapse 
pretty i mean they'll need to lose and they'll need three other teams to win in order to get relegated so there's a decent chance they're going to stay up now and the other big results were hetafe beating osasuna jumping from the relegation zone all the way up to 14th and probably sealing their safety as well cadiz beating celta and jumping all the way up to 13th and probably sealing their safety as well but celta now are 17th and just one point above the drop zone so they could be in trouble they were in the top half not too long ago a couple of months ago people were talking about them in the discussion for who might qualify for europe now they've been on a terrible run they're in real trouble below them are real valladolid uh, they are as i said a point below them they played a goalless draw with almeria who are level on points with celta and therefore seriously in trouble as well so on the final day it's basically one point between uh 16th to 18th and two points between 13th to 18th so realistically we've got what six teams uh, on the final day for that last spot so it it it's it's going to be really exciting uh, and obviously i think we'll talk on friday about all the matches and what could happen let's move on here uh, we've got a, a bit to say about uh the copa de la reina final which was also a great match real madrid in their first major final against atletico madrid and they were 2-0 up uh i think the second goal came early in the second half so they they looked fairly comfortable but then they considered twice later on including a very late free kick i think in stoppage time to take the game to extra time and then penalties and obviously i think at at this point it's also important to mention that when real madrid were tunnel up they started taking off some of their better players which in hindsight obviously wasn't a great decision because then they considered those two goals so in extra time they didn't really look that good and in penalties as well they were missing a few key takers and obviously under pressure and i, I suppose it told because they missed three penalties and atletico won uh, what's 3-1 on the penalty kicks and of course it was 2-2 uh, in normal time so that's atletico madrid winning the copa de la reina and real madrid still searching for their first major trophy and let's also go over to saudi arabia quickly where the pro league champions have been decided and it is al ittihad winning their first league title since 2009 uh, they they won their match but that was not going to be enough unless al nasser dropped points which they did they uh, only managed a 1-1 draw with uh, al ittihad i think it was so that that result meant that al ittihad's 3-0 win uh, away at al fayha was enough for them to seal that first title in about 14 years as i said nuno espirito santo getting the job done in his first year and obviously also sealing qualification uh, to the AFC Champions League next season where Al Nasser also have their direct spot so well done to those two and Al Hilal have jumped up to third after Al Shabab dropped points again so those three will get those direct spots and Al Shabab are still not certain of getting that fourth uh, qualification spot i mean the one that takes you to the qualifiers so that's something to watch out for on the final day as is the relegation battle uh, three teams still in danger elbatin relegated but we'll talk about that later as well let's move on now to france where no there's no prizes for guessing who won liga who won it alex yeah it's psg he cares yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but there's been a bit of fun with this with first off let's send our wishes to sergio rico psg reserve goalkeeper uh after psg won the league on Saturday night against Strasbourg um in a really dull boring game which they drew 1-1 uh Rico went to Seville to celebrate um but was involved in an accident uh a horse run accident he's currently in hospital um reportedly quite serious conditions we hope hopefully he's okay um but he wasn't the only player as well to travel uh away on a Sunday but a player who got backlash for it was Neymar because he went to the Monaco Grand Prix. I don't know if you've seen this, Neil. He went to I the Monaco that. Grand Prix. Book yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Playing Monaco, uh, Monaco Grand Prix on um, Sunday, which is fine, but it's not fine because he didn't actually make the journey to the Strasbourg game to celebrate PSG winning the title. Mm. And if you go on social media, fans are genuinely done with him, so get him out of our club. Um, so, yeah, it's been a very boring uh, PSG. Not boring, just un- the one PSG season, so we won't talk about them. Let's talk about Lons. Please Let's tell me you saw how they celebrate. Yes, yes I you've did. seen it. it. Beautiful. It yes, this beautiful. might be my 
My I'll favorite. Yes, you, you click the link in the show notes and in Neil's tweet thread because it might be my favourite moment of the entire season, genuinely and seriously. Lons secured Champions League football with no qualification needed on Saturday. There you go. They went eight points clear of third place Marseille and they celebrated by getting all the players and their families in the centre circle. The whole stadium packed out, stayed behind for a firework display in tune with the Champions League anthem. Really is the be- well, the best thing you see all season. Um, do, do, do you know what my uh, favourite thing about that was? They played the full anthem in the full version, right? So yes. they, they played the whole thing. So like at first it's just the strings and then and then the vocal hits. And that was amazing. Like that that, that music and the firework display was amazing. Yeah, I always love it when they actually play the full anthem, the, the anthem in full rather than just the easy bit, yeah. which is obviously iconic itself. But yeah, they, they had fireworks in time for the like the just the soft bits. It was is exactly. so, so well orchestrated. That draw from Strasbourg's pretty good though, because it means they're definitely clear of relegation. Yeah. Nantes, they lost 2-1 to Lille the last minute penalty against Jonathan David, I believe. So it means Nantes going into the weekend, the last day. They will need to uh, win against Angers and hope Auxerre uh, uh, lose to Lens, who we just spoke about, if not are going to survive relegation. Obviously, they're in the Europa League this year. Um, pretty pretty huge. Also, Monaco are the biggest bustlers around. Forget Dortmund, forget <laughs> Arsenal. They could have got Champions League this year and they might not get anything. They, they lost to Rennes, wasn't it? I think that was a... Yeah, they've, a they've, they've, just, they've just constantly lost. They're like... <laughs> They've got one win in their last six games. Wow. Yeah. They're so painful. That includes 4-0 to Montpellier, 3-0 to Lons, 3-1 to Lyon, 2-0 against Rennes. Like, they're just dreadful. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible for them. I think fair enough. Yeah. They're not getting caught up with that. But, yeah, a, a pretty busy day in Liga as well. And, of course, the final day to come, as you say. There's a couple of things to play for, the relegation spot and a couple of those European spots. Some stuff to watch out for there, but let's move along. Let's go to Ukraine next, where we have the champions of the season crowned on the penultimate match day as well. No prize for guessing this either. It's Shakhtar Donetsk, although they were involved in a pretty close title race with uh, Dnipro 1, which could have really gone down to the wire, probably should have. The two were playing each other um, on the weekend in what, was being built as a title showdown for a long time and rightly so too because both teams were on long unbeaten runs and stuff but just one week before that or not even one week in the midweek before that Dnipro 1 suffered a, a pretty unexpected loss to Vorskla which saw them drop I think a couple of points behind Shakhtar they were going level before and so that meant that here even a draw would keep Shakhtar in front and of course a win would seal the title for them and they ended up winning 3-0 pretty comfortably. An early goal to get them started uh, on the right note and then a couple of ones early in the f- in the second half. So Shakhtar Donetsk win the, the Ukraine Premier League, defend their title, and Dnipro 1 don't get their first title since their sort of, their, well, the, the, bank, the collapsation of the previous club, which was Dnipro, and then their sort of birth as effectively their successors. But... Yeah, that's complicated, but that's a common story in various parts of Europe, as we've discussed many times. But anyway, your takeaway is uh, Shakhtar Donetsk champions. Dnipro 1 are not sure of second because of that loss. They're only above Zoria Luhansk on goal difference. So on the final day, they'll be playing for that second Champions League qualification spot. And as I said, Zoria Luhansk behind them guaranteed to at least finish third. Dynamo Kiev guaranteed to at least finish fourth. And FC Alexandria, one point above Vorskla in the final European spot with Kirvibas two points behind them. So that, that's something to play for on the last day. At the bottom, uh, FC Lviv been relegated for a long time. Metalist Kharkiv also relegated now. Uh, Veres Rivne probably gone. Uh, I mean, gone as in, in the relegation playoffs. But above them, look at that. Inhulets Petrove in 13th on 31 points. Above them, Ruch Lviv on 31 points. Above them, Metalist 1925 on 31 points. Above them, Giorno Moretz on 32 points. And even uh, Kolos Kovalivka and Minai above them are only on 33. So they aren't safe either yet. So basically, in the table, uh, from fourth, well, I mean, not fourth, I mean, second and third, you skip fourth. But second, third, and then fifth to 13th and 14th have all to play for on the final day. So it's just the top and bottom end which is sealed. The rest of the table has 
real tangible stuff to play for with either Europe or relegation. So it's 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 a pretty um, fun league. We should also say if you would like to hear those teams pronounced properly, you can always use Google Translate instead of hearing Neil. <laughs> I think at one point you didn't say a team. You just used your phlegm. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm trying my best, but some of these are hard. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was hard specifically? Because was, what was the one in there? Mm-hmm. You just went, a Which Let me find it. We think about Koloskovalivka now. Vorskla, Vorskla. 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 I think I think that's yeah. Vorskla. I reckon I reckon I can go for it very quickly now. Good. We've got Shakhtar, Dnipro, Zoya, Dinamo Kiev, Alexandria, Vorskla, Krivas, Aminaj, Kolos, Kolavikia. Now it is getting hard. Yeah, you see. Kolavikia. Okay. Okay. Chonomaret, Sodessa, Metalis. Rukliev, yeah. yeah. Inhules, Petrova, Veres, Reneve, Metalis, Kharkiv, and Liv. FC Liv. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, Neil, I've got to take my wins against you because you're a football (laughs) fan, man. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Also, it was very funny listening along. (laughs) Uh, Right, but let's, let's move along. Alex, any guesses for what I was doing on. Sunday morning was it? A fine Sunday morning, yes, for for me. Um, see, I'm looking at the pod plans are cheap. But even <laughs> then, I'm not actually hundred percent sure where this team plays. I'm gonna guess you're watching the the the, the Australian team win the Australia. Australian Champions you're, League. You're you're really giving away your geograph your geographical knowledge here, man. Oh, oh, is that New Zealand? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah, I mean that sounds better. That sounds like it makes <laughs> sense. Uh, yeah, and it's 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 not a domestic league. It's the OFC Champions League. It's the Oceania yes. Champions League. It is big. So I was watching that. Uh, when I say big, I mean like a stadium with, I'm gonna guess two thousand capacity, and then loads of fans. I was gonna say, fans. who plays in the Oceania Champions League? <laughs> is it Australia and New Zealand? Is now, that it? Now Australia were playing, but now they've gone to AFC. So it's is basically New Zealand. Yeah. So it's basically New Zealand and all the other islands and Auckland City are dominating. This is like their 11th title and the second best team have like two. So the, And that's that's non-New Zealand, I think. But yeah, Auckland City... So you're dominating. telling me... So you're telling me the shocking thing here is that the city of like this giant country mm. are beating like the, the spots of volcanic rock in the middle of the Pacific <laughs> in, the, in the Champions League. Who can have guessed it? That, that that's about it. That's true. I think yeah, that's what I was saying. But you know what? They almost lost here. They were close to losing. So they were against mm-hmm. now I'm gonna have to Google this, but I did Google it at the time. They were against Suva FC, who are from Fiji, and if I remember correctly, playing their first OFC Champions League final. And Suva FC went 2-0 down in the first half, as you'd expect. But then at the R mark, Auckland City had a player sent off. And Sue FC scored twice, including an 84th minute equalizer that took the game two extra time. And obviously, they've got a numerical advantage, so it's advantage Suva. But then they get a player sent off in the 99th minute. And then Auckland scored twice after that in the second half of extra time to win. But they almost lost. So if Suva FC had won, it would have been a fantastic story. But I figured I'd still match it because it was a lovely match. And, and there's some awesome atmosphere. team names in this Champions League as well. Auckland were in a group with Server. Solomon Warriors, Loop, uh, Loop Ole Soaga, and the other group, there were two groups in this Champions League, which is cool. Uh, Pire, <laughs> ready? If you're a Blackbird, that sounds like a secret military opera- operation. Ikara <laughs> <laughs> United and Tiger Sport. Uh, and Auckland, I... Auckland in fairness, uh, gets, if for a Blackbird, they had to win, oh no, I, I thought they won on penalties. They won 5-4 on aggregate, I think. No, I think that's penalties, isn't it? Is that that? Oh, it might be penalties. Oh, yeah, it might just be single it's legs. It's a one yeah. leg, yeah, it's one leg. Cause, yeah, I don't think they have the finances to travel both ways. So. <laughs> <laughs> one one leg is enough. No, no, they just don't have the space on the each island to like show two teams. They've only got one. <laughs> they've only got one building. Yeah, they probably do have only one page. So yeah, wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, they were they, they were they were given a run for their money. So fair, fair enough. I, you know what? Actually, I love. To, to see this probably something for later but these are brilliant names and I think if we go to like the qualification and preliminary rounds we'd get even better names 
But anyway, let's move along for now. Right. We're going to go off the plan for a moment here because I've just seen some breaking news, which is that FC Nordzelon's title charge has sadly come to an end. They were beaten 5-1 by Brunby. I got Alex very excited by proclaiming that there was breaking news and now he's disappointed. But this is a very sad moment for me because I was really invested in the FC Nordzelon title charge. But sadly, they've been thrashed 5-1 by Brunby who have gifted their local rivals, Kibben Heaven, the title, uh, back-to-back title with that result. And, but to be fair, Burnby, I have real respect for them because they've just been going about and ruining everyone's title races. They took points of Kibben Heaven, I remember, in a derby. They took points of Viborg to basically take them out of the race. They beat uh, AGF to mess up their challenge. So I have big respect for Burnby. Um and yeah, well, New, not even Danish media would describe this as breaking news. You're the only <laughs> man in the world who would describe this as breaking news. I mean, the match just ended. I got the full time notification from Fortmob, so I think that qualifies. Probably it was going to be like a Garte has moved to PSG or Chelsea, or like Tottenham have found someone who was like willing to be a manager. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Anyway, let's get back to the board plan then. Okay, we have, after the OFC Champions League, the GAF Confederation Cup Final, the first leg though here. This was in uh, Tanzania, in a full stadium, I think which set a record, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly, the people talking very excitedly about that, so that was good to see. Um, it was Young Africans, of course, the home side, against USM Alger of Algeria, and it didn't quite go well for the hosts. They they conceded first in the, 80, in the 32nd minute, sorry. So, uh, to Eamon Mahus, who's been a real revelation in this tournament. He was great in the about the Chan as well, the most recent one. And he's certainly been one of the best players of this tournament, a uh, real striker for USM Algier. The Young Africans did eventually equalize in the 82nd minute, which would have been a decent result for them. But then just moments later, they conceded again. So, they've lost 2-1 uh, in their home leg, which means... In, in the second leg, they're going to at least need to score two goals if they are to have any chance of winning. So they have a tough order now, but uh, let's see what they can do next weekend. So that's your update from the CAF Confederation Cup. Uh, Alex will now talk about the Eredivisie final day, which he has spelt in a very interesting fashion on, on the plan. What's that about? Have I? Yeah. It- <laughs> I just tapped my keyboard by oh, accident. Okay. Yes, the, the Eredivisie we were <laughs> uh, final day. Uh, yeah, well, we obviously knew that Fon were going to win the Eredivisie last week, wasn't it? Uh, but there was a couple of big results to worth talking about on the day. Barca said Alkmaar losing to um, PSV. And of course, Ajax, uh, as they lost on the final day, a miserable 3-1 defeat to FC Twente. Um, it meant that they've missed Champions League football for the first time in 14 years. Uh, wow. We've got a bit of transfer news coming up later in the pod to see how they might rebuild. But yeah, really bookmarks just a miserable season uh, for the Amsterdamers and probably a wonderful season for literally everyone else in the Netherlands. So it's, I don't know how much you know about Neil, but I've, so I've only picked up on it recently. Just Ajax are despised in the Netherlands. Everyone everyone who doesn't support them hates them. And if everyone's enjoyed their failure, the only bad thing is that RZ losing to PSV in, in, you know, what an excellent final day fixture that is, meant that RZ wouldn't leapfrog Ajax into the Europa League um, spots. So it's been, yeah, it's it's been a uh, pretty good Eredivisie season, especially in Europe. Like, they yeah. they were very close. If RZ had won all of their games in the Conference League um, from the semi-final onwards, then the Eredivisie would have overtaken Liga and UEFA's coefficient wow. rankings, which... In my opinion, shows how broken the system is. But uh, going down were uh, relegating teams were Camber, which is a bit of a shame. They've always tried to play quite nice football. Uh, Groningen, about as announced ages ago as well as Camber, and I think it was last week because oh, this week FC Emmen uh, also went down as well. I believe. They're in um, the playoffs, no? I think they're in oh the yeah, sorry, yes, in the playoffs. You're right. Um, I think that was an out. I think that was mathematically certain last week. To be fair, but yeah. yeah. Fine order and PSV in uh, Champions League potentially next season if PSV can qualify. That's uh, football heritage. Absolutely brilliant. And as you said, we almost had Ajax dropping out of the Europa League as well. So, yeah, but, but they just about got in. But anyway, I 
we mentioned MN there who will be in the playoffs and those are going on uh, from the Esther Divisie, the promotion playoffs from them and the winner of these is essentially going to face MN and we've had some results uh, this this weekend. So we've had Al- Almer City beat FC Eindhoven uh, in extra time after a 94th minute equaliser. Well, I mean, loads of late drama. So they equalised on aggregate in the 80th minute, went down again in the 84th minute and then scored the 94th minute equaliser and then won it in extra time. So that's late drama there. Those are very late drama. Uh, for Willem Tue and VVV Venlo, a black and yellow team for once, benefiting with late drama because this match went to extra time where in the first minute of stoppage time at the end of it, VVV Venlo equalized on the day and took the lead on aggregate to advance as well. And third team to advance were uh, NAC Breda who did the job with a, a, a lot less of a fuss. They got the job done comfortably 4-1 uh, on this leg, 5-1 on aggregate. So our next ties are VVV Venlo against Almer City FC uh, and uh, NSC Breda against FC MN who've dropped in. So those are the four semi-finals for the Eredivisie, uh, well, the promotion playoffs to the Eredivisie essentially. Right, let's go to the Austrian Bundesliga next where we had the final day. No prizes for guessing who the champions were. I mean, this was decided before, obviously. Fairly close style race, certainly by Austrian standards. Those Sturm Graz taking Erbe Salzburg to the penultimate match day, so fair play to them. But behind them, we had some some uh, shuffling. Alas, comfortably finishing third uh, in what's the Europa League uh, qualification spot, so well done to them, that's comfortable. But behind them, uh, Rapid Wien, Austria Wien and Austria Klagenfurt, the three other teams in the championship group, had two spots, two European spots to play for, and essentially anyone could have really finished anywhere. Uh, although Austria Klagenfurt have a horrendous goal difference because they've been absolutely thrashed in the relegation in the championship group. So, but they still had a chance to at least get fifth. But they were against uh, Erbe Salzburg, and even though they led a, on a couple of occasions, they ended up losing. But but the real big result was Austria Wien losing to Lask, and therefore allowing their local rivals Rapid, who beat Sturm Graz, to, to jump over them and get into fourth spot. So. Uh, essentially, that means Rapid Wien will go to the Euro- Europa Conference League qualifiers, the UEFA qualifiers, whereas Austria Wien will have to play the sort of the playoff match within the league against the top top team of the relegation group, uh, and then obviously the winner of that advances to the European the UEFA qualifier. And down at the bottom, Esverid, who obviously suffered that big defeat to Altach, which we talked about last week have been relegated uh, and of course Altach as a result stay up after sacking Miroslav closer earlier in the season. Turned out to be a good decision for them. Okay, let's go next to Poland where we could be in for a potentially dramatic end to the relegation battle but that was obviously contingent on the side occupying the final relegation spot which was the only one up for grabs. I mean, not up for grabs really, you know, the only one where we could have had some shuffling. I don't think anyone really wants that. But either way, it was Wiesva Plock who were down there. And even though the two sides above them lost, they lost pretty heavily, 3-0 to Krakowia as well. So they're going down alongside Lechia Gdansk and Misleknitsa. Up at the top, of course, Rakov Chestokhova won their first ever title in 103-year history, I think. So great result for them. But a, a bittersweet end to the season for them because this marks the end of Marek Papjun's tenure there. Well, I mean, certainly legendary manager now because he took over when they were, I think, in the second tier. He he had no... It was a pretty interesting appointment because he had no ma- senior, like fully senior managerial experience till then. He'd had coached at a few sort of lower league clubs, but he was also a school teacher by the side. So he, he was basically a school teacher with a hobby for coaching. And then he was appointed... Uh, as the Rakov Chestakhova manager, and he took them out of the first league. He he afterwards in an interview he said that when he was appointed, he didn't even like make arrangements for permanent accommodation. He lived with his assistants because he wasn't sure how long he was going to stay in the job. So he wasn't confident at all. But now it's been seven years, and he he's 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 a legend basically. Then now he took them you know from the second tier to winning the league, the top flight for the first time ever. So apparently he doesn't have a job lined up, but it's 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 basically universal consensus that he's the best manager in Poland. 
very good tactically as well. By the way, they play some brilliant football, do Rakov under him, at least did now. So I'm excited to see where he goes next. But I mean, he could well take a, a, a year or so off. But either way, something to watch out for. Okay, let's talk about the Belgian Pro League title race now because this is one of the best title races I have seen. Going into the final day, we have three teams who can still win it. And for all of them, this will be absolutely massive because they haven't won it in an age. So Club Brugge have been out of it for a while, as we have widely celebrated. And the three other teams in the championship group, which were Genk, uh, Union Saint-Gilois and Royal Antwerp, are all very much in the mix. The results from this weekend saw the top two face each other, Royal Antwerp and Union Saint-Gilois. And Antwerp had the chance to win the title on this match, even though they started level one points. Any guesses why, Alex? There's no way you're guessing this. I know you're already confused about the format, so you're about to get even more confused. Do you why, know why, why Antwerp could have won the title even though they were level on points? The first tiebreaker in the Pro League's championship group is not goal difference, not head-to-head, but... when It's, it's his home wins. Nope. There's oh. no way you're guessing this, I'm telling you. It is whether you finished on even or odd points at the end of the regular season. Because if you finished on even points, obviously your points get halved, right? So if you finished on even points, then you you basically get your points perfectly halved. But if you finish on odd points, your half points tally is a decimal. And so that 0.5 gets obviously bumped up to the next whole number. So you essentially get a plus 0.5 going into the championship group. So... If at the end of the season, two two teams are tied who are level on points in the championship group, but one of them finished on even points tally and the other finished on an odd points tally at the end of the regular league season, then the one with the even tally is given the highest spot. I don't think Alex understands the idea. No, no, I, I do understand it. But like, why would you... So just, just to make sure I understand. Yeah. So the points tally is rounded up if two teams are tied. Yeah, I, I mean, round it up if you finished on odd points Just... and it's halved. So, 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 wait, I, I'll give so, you so, 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 uh, Antwerp and Ernie on San right? They're finished, mm. they're 46 points each right now. But if yeah. it stays like this at the end of the season, Antwerp will go to 47 points because they're, because they're, oh, they won't know. They're not getting any extra points. What happened is, so they're on 46 points right now, right? So, if, if this is the end of the season, Antwerp win because if you go, to the end of the regular season and you look at the tallies, Union had 75 and Antwerp had 72, right? And then going into the Alex is even more confused now going into the championship group, what happened is your points get halved. So Antwerp 72 became 36, right? But Union 75, if you have it it becomes 37.5 and you can't have half a point there. So that becomes, they, they round that up to 38, so essentially, Union got an extra 0.5 because of that rounding up. But now when these two finish level on points, essentially the first tiebreaker is whether you finished on even or odd points. Because if you finished on even points, you didn't get that extra half point. And if you finished on odd points, you did get it. So the team that finished on even points is always placed above the team that finished on odd points. Does that make sense? What? what? <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> Union okay. <laughs> got more points, so they get punished. They get punished having more points because because there's an odd number. Yeah, yeah. If that's seventy four or seventy six, why don't just round them down anyway? Then we don't have to do this stupid tiebreaker. <laughs> so stupid. Just round them down. They just get well, rid. Of... Mean, to be fair, if it was rounded down, then Union would be on forty five points right now. Then they'd be second. Yeah, anyway. that makes more sense than this. Absolutely, <laughs> I refuse to believe there's Belgian people who understand how this completely works. This is utter. This is so stupid. Why not just have a league table and whoever wins the league wins the league? It's wow. so much easier. This nonsense. <laughs> uh, well, but anyway, so the matches. Uh, Antwerp Union was a great game because Antwerp took the lead. Looked like they were winning the title. Union in the second half fairly early on had a player sent off. So it looked even... No, sorry, hang on. Does goal difference not even matter then? It, it matters if uh, like if both finished on even points or if both finished on odd points. It's, it, if it's... both finished on even points, then, then we take into account how many goals are scored or conceded. You know, like yeah. The actual measure of a football team. <laughs> that's the point. That's that's the point. It's we like start. the second or third tiebreaker, yeah. 
that no, that had come after basically <laughs> that's that's a joke that's not real uh, that's, that's the belgian pro league for you but but yeah so the games uh, as i said antwerp took the lead against union union had a player sent off so antwerp were all happy and stuff but then in the 80 something minute uh, the 80th minute in fact union equalized thanks to an own goal i mean a deflected goal from arthur vermeeren who of course scored that late winner against club brugge a few weeks back so if antwerp is if antwerp beat union Alex this is still weekend, processing this <laughs> yeah so if antwerp beat union at the weekend they were right? champions they, they were champions yeah. and then they could have spent their last game which is against um gang uh, the again gang yeah they could spend yeah. their last game scoring own goals they could and they would have like they couldn't have they could have why not they, they oh no, yeah they could have yeah exactly yeah so they, they could, could have, have lost gone... 50 they could have lost 90-0 if they scored yep. an own goal every minute They could have had a minus hundred goal difference, but they'd still be champions because they finished on even points. Okay, I'll mute my mic now. That's ridiculous. That's the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Uh, well, that's the thing. But anyway, it's going to be a cracking finish because, as I said. Uh, oh, by the way, Genk then beat Club Brugge, which is cool because now they're within a point of the top two. Uh, they also finished on odd points like Union, but I. Don't think that's going to matter because uh, Antwerp and Genk can or oh, they can finish level on points. Oh, but then Union will win if they finish level on points. So it won't matter for the title race. Even I'm confused now. Damn. Okay, the title race. Here's what matters. Uh, Antwerp Genk is one match on the final day where if Antwerp win, they win the title regardless of what happens. If Genk win, they need Union to drop points against Club Brugge to win the title, and Union need to beat Club Brugge. and hope that antwerp and uh, don't win against gank i hope that is less confusing than the championship playoff tiebreakers but we'll talk about that on friday again anyway alex is so disappointed right now i <laughs> actually yeah this, this is like this is amateur hour this is how like you'd expect you know like you watch videos about how football was done in like the 50s this is what <laughs> i'd expect to hear this is like the era of the wm formation this is so stupid If I was a Belgian football league player, I would I and I was playing for Royal Antwerp. I'd beat Union and then I'd use the final game to protest and I'd score own goals. I'd get all my players sent off. I'd like I'd get my fans to invade the pitch and be like, but they don't <laughs> hang on a second. They finished on an odd number of points. So you can't really do anything, can you Belgian authorities? Let's be honest here, we are the winners. And I'd get the, I'd get them to present me the trophy. as i'm like soaked in the blood of the opposition fans <laughs> after like after pillaging them and i could say it's fine because i finished on an even number of points and i've killed neil <laughs> right belgian football authorities if you're listening to this you love it because you love it because you can't counter it you're laughing because i'm absolutely 100% right <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there's, there's nothing I can, there's nothing you can say that can be like but actually no, that is a bit too far Alex because obviously the Belgian no I finished an even number of points <laughs> and it was less points who cares it's even number oh uh, man yeah well yeah you, you, I mean you, you can't hear this on any other place except the Fantastic Football Podcast <laughs> <laughs> absolute exclusive fantasy man Right. Anyway, what have I got now? Okay, let's go. I had th- this is where I was supposed to mention Denmark, but I brought the breaking news in. But I tell you what's cool in Denmark: the relegation battle is actually very cool because on the final day we have two relegation spots and three teams level on points at the bottom. So it's it's an absolute free for all down there. We've got uh, Alborg who lost to Lungby today to make everything very exciting. But at one point in the relegation group, they were ten points adrift at the bottom, so they looked gone basically. But they're currently out of it on goal difference because they put together a brilliant winning run, but obviously lost now. So Lungby jumped from second from last to second last on goal difference, and it's Horsens who are currently last. But as I say, all of them level on points. The goal difference gaps are pretty big. Alborg to Lungby is nine, and Lungby to Horsens is six. So it's just going to be results, and if not, then obviously Alborg Lumbi Horsens is the order. So that is something to watch for on the final day. Again, something for us to talk about on Friday. Okay, let's go to Italy. Let's go first to the Serie B and maybe even a bit of Serie C promotion playoffs. 
currently as, as we speak sud tirol and bari have just started their semi final if i'm not mistaken that's something to watch for but uh, that is obviously only because sud tirol beat regina 1-0 in the well the, the first round with an 89th minute winner uh, to advance to the semi final and in the other one uh, cagliari sort of made slightly more comfortable work of venezia it was 2-1 ultimately i think but uh, they scored much earlier and had a two goal lead at the point and so i think it was gianluca lapadula certainly with one of those goals so cagliari will face parma in the other final and sutirol bari both sides who were in serie c last season playing for a spot in the serie b promotion playoffs final great stories on on both fronts there so that's something to watch for um i will now work out the serie g playoffs and try and figure out what on earth is happening there but in the meantime let's hear from alex on serie a where the penultimate match day had some developments in the race for europe yes and unlike most of the games we've talked about today uh, these happened at separate points which is quite nice there is nothing more stupid than league and penultimate match day having all games kick off at the same time that's attention seeking the definition of it um, but yeah, there was some interesting games in Serie A. I think uh, the, we've got the top four settled now. Napoli, uh, of course, won it. Lazio managed to climb to second under Maurizio Sarri, but they could still be leapfrogged by my boys Inter Milan, who mm-hmm. managed to beat Atalanta at the weekend. Uh, 3-1, I think, a 3-2 saw in the end. Uh, Lukaku scoring, Barella scoring, Lautaro Martinez, of course, scoring as well, uh, which means Atalanta will finish... Fifth, because Milan defeated Juventus uh, last night in a pretty turgid game, if I'm being perfectly honest, and I'm an Allegri lover. He also came out with some interesting Wait, quotes after the game. You know what? I did... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Allegri lover. Do you like watching Massimiliano Allegri's teams play football? Yeah, I'd, I'd go for it. We could derail the podcast here, but I think Allegri <laughs> is one of the most underrated coaches in Europe, and I think wow. Juventus... Are one of the most underrated teams. They've had a, a, a you know, a tough year, um, mainly brought on by their financial stuff. I yeah, do think, enough. yeah, I do think I forgot his name. Andrea Agnelli is like, I know he's a bit like a melting candle. Like I don't mean as a metaphor. I just think his face looks like a melting candle. I don't <laughs> like him. Um, <laughs> There's a so... deep analogy coming. That <laughs> <laughs> um, that came from the Super League year where I called Florentino Perez a fat melting candle. Anyway, the Juventus. <laughs> no, they've got they've got some very good young players oh, up yes, and coming. Fair, yeah. yeah, yeah, Fagioli, Moretti, uh, Bamanchel, uh, yeah, um, um, Eiling Junior. Yeah, but yeah. Allegri doesn't use them enough, man. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. A lot of these players. Yes, he does. A lot of these players are in the top. Five or six for Juventus this season for minutes. Uh, it is. It, I mean, it is quite telling that like Fagioli and Moretti didn't start the games at the weekend. Um, uh, Gatti did at centre back, uh, but yeah, they, Allegri does get underrated. But I think if whatever I say, it might not matter because after the game he said, "If I wanted to be a winner, I would have gone anywhere. I would have gone somewhere but Juventus." So I know this game. No, this time is tough. Yeah, I know. I, I'm paraphrasing the quote a little bit. Essentially, the message he's trying to get across is. This doesn't phase me. Like you know, I, I'm enjoying the tough task. But what he accidentally said was, if I wanted to win something, I would have gone somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Juventus will, thanks to their points deduction, uh, at best finish fifth and get Europa League uh, this year, which is not good for their finances. Um, Roma could finish there as well. But if they win Europa League, of course, it doesn't matter. On the relegation end, Hellas Verona. They could stay up. They're tied with Spezia in 18th. Cremonese and Sampdoria, of course, down. But yeah, it'll be between Spezia and Hellas Roma on the final day. Uh, Spezia have Roma and Hellas have uh, Milan. And interestingly, I've just noted in Syria, because I believe the scheduling, I don't know if you know about this. Um, I, I could only see it now just looking at my phone. The scheduling didn't happen until it must have been today. Because yeah. on BT Sport in the UK, um, they said after the Milan Juventus game, we'd like to tell you what's coming up next week, but we don't actually know, which is unique. And the games will be taking place at separate times, um, in separate, uh, separate days as well. It's interesting. I think they do this in a fair few places. I think they did it in Belgium too. So they basically wait to see. Well, Belgium, of course, do it. Belgium probably play the games <laughs> on, like, in Australia. Who cares? 
but basically they wait to see like who's got stuff to play for so like i'm sure uh, what uh-huh. elas verona and spezia will kick off at the same time uh, yeah but right. basically they'll stagger the kickoffs which have nothing to do with each other essentially so i guess more tv slots and stuff so fair enough oh, that makes sense right uh, serie g uh, i'll just tell you the scores cuz i realized these were just first legs of the quarter finals but pescara a match by uh, stedek zeman are winning uh against uh who was it against uh, virtus entella so they could advance to the semi finals uh vicenza and cesena are tied at nil nil alecco have lost to pordenone by one goal in the first leg and foggia have beaten crotone 1-0 in the first leg so all to play for everywhere and i guess we'll update you on friday about what happens in the second legs okay let's go lastly from the major leagues to bulgaria where there's a title winning streak ongoing which is longer than Bayern's because Ludogorets have already won 11 or 12 in a row but it is under threat uh, because this week or this weekend rather they lost to Siska 1948 who we've talked about before Siska 1948 and Siska Sofia I won't go into the whole thing again but to paraphrase there was a club called Siska Sofia which went bankrupt in 2016 uh but as they tend to do in lots of parts of the world they basically just establish a successor with the same name and carry on like nothing happened but obviously the debts are gone so they established PFC Sofia which is the successor for all intents and purposes but a group of fans and some players decided that they wanted to break away and form their own club for some reason i mean there's probably good reason behind that which i don't know but they formed what is now Siska 1948 they claimed to be their successors but they had to start in the lowest tier while pfc siska sofia took their spot in the top flight and even the siska 1948 eventually climbed up they basically have no fans like very few uh and are now they lost cases with uefa and stuff so they had to change their name and logo and everything so they're now siska 1948 but they helped their i mean this this isn't like a local derby rivalry they helped their i don't know succession claiming rivals or something Uh, in the title race because they held on to i mean they s- got a late late equalizer to hold ludogorets to a 2-2 draw which means with two weeks i mean two matches left siska sofia have a one point lead over ludogorets so it's in siska sofia's hands they can end this very very long title winning run of ludogorets uh, in these two weeks so that's something or in these two games that's something to watch out for Okay, last couple of things. Um the FIFA Under-20 World Cup group stage has ended and I think the big headline is that France are out. They lost their first two games against South Korea and the Gambia, which means they still had a chance to qualify as one of the best third place sides, but they needed some uh, a decent goal difference swing to do that. And they were against Honduras where they had a player sent off in the 13th minute and Honduras scored from the resulting free kick. So they were one nil down and a player down in about 15 minutes and they needed to win and by a big margin if they wanted to get up. Alan Virginia scored twice uh before the hour mark and basically single-handedly pulled them back in. They got one more goal before the end but that was not enough. I think by a margin of just one or two goals they have been eliminated. So the sides that have qualified are Argentina and Uzbekistan and New Zealand as the third place side from group A. USA and Ecuador from group B, a uh, US Ecuador and Slovakia as well as the third place side, uh Colombia and Israel are through from group C, Japan third but not with a good enough goal difference. Uh from group D, Brazil, Italy and Nigeria all level on 6 points are through. In group E, it's England, Uruguay and is it to, and Tunisia probably, yeah. And obviously group F, Gambia and the Gambia and South Korea. So now we'll have the knockouts. uh starting i think tomorrow or yeah tomorrow so we'll be watching those okay and also we had the under 17 women's euro final where france beat multiple time winners spain to win their first ever title so that's well done to them right last bit we have is a bit of transfer news and involving ajax as alex alluded to previously they have signed the very good branko van den boomen from toulouse on i think a free transfer So brilliant deal for them. Any thoughts on this one, Alex? Yeah, very good move. Uh, I think Van den Boom is not the flashiest player. He's just been 
you know, very productive. He's league der stats were sensational. I think he got like 20, yeah, 22 goals and assists from central midfield last year. Uh, To be fair. Yeah, with set piece as well. This year is around 10, I want to say, or close to 10. Um, But yeah, Toulouse, all in all, have been a big surprise in France. No one's, especially since the last time they were in Liga, they were one of the worst sides in the 21st century in Europe. And that's not even that much of an exaggeration. It was the COVID cancelled season. Uh, I think they'd won one one game all year. Um, Yeah, they were really, really, really bad. Uh, so when they bounced back, I was kind of like, a mm, lot of nobodies in this team. But Van den Boomen's kind of summarised them. Tidy, efficient and can shock the big signs. I think Ajax have got a very good coup because a lot of teams were interested. And then landing Van den Boomen means that they, despite their horrific season, keep themselves as a good destination for talent who want to improve their reputation and their skills. Right. I think I think you've summed it up pretty well. I think just... To add to that from Van den Boomen's point of view, I think it's a good place to go for, I think people have said this before, but basically to get in the fold for the national team call-up, because obviously if you play for Ajax, you're certainly going to get noticed and you have a decent chance at playing for your country if you play for what still probably is right up there with the best teams, if not going to be the best team again next season. But let's see. Arnest Lodz staying at Feyenoord, so he, he, they, Ajax might still have to settle for second at least, but we'll see. Anyway, that's that from this Monday's episode. Lovely episode. As ever, loads got loads of stuff that we got through. We'll be back on Friday to round up whatever happens in the week where there's a few things, including the Serie B, not the Serie B, Serie G uh, and Serie B promotion playoffs. Uh, we also have a more Eredivisie promotion playoffs. I think a round of Super League, uh, the Turkish Super League, uh, under-17 men's Euros final, uh, semi-finals and final in, on Friday, World Cup, uh, Under-20 World Cup, knockouts kicking off, so loads of stuff, which we'll talk about on Friday. And of course, look ahead to next weekend, where there'll be more final days, some of which we've alluded to here, and lots more stuff to play for. So do join us then if you can, but if not, thank you very much for listening either way. Big thanks to you, Alex, for your time. And yeah, take care, enjoy the football. Bye-bye.